hey there, mother lovers. This is Elena Turley, your host, and welcome to the Unboxable Podcast, a place for mothers who are seeking holistic health and maybe a new way to look at a few things. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Unboxable Podcast. I have with me today a gorgeous lady. Her name is Yemi Penn. Welcome, Yemi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited. We were meant to meet a while ago, but like I'm more raring to go now and yeah, have open heart conversations. So thank you for having me. Oh, such a pleasure. The fact that you even said that tells me we are in the right place. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we have a resonance. We can't quite work out why yet. So let's explore that. It's very yeah. exciting. Um, I would love for you to tell me just a little bit about you, where you are, who you are, what you do, anything you'd like to share with us. Yeah, this this is ever evolving I better start off by telling people that like most of our technology I have versions so I think I'm Yemi Pen version possibly 11.7 at the moment I was I think version 9 a couple of months ago so I do change quite radically um I'm so many things and I, I get concerned of giving myself titles and labels because it genuinely changes. And, and that almost is the fabric of who I am. I mean, if you were to check with anyone now on how would you describe Yemi, I'm curious beyond belief, almost insatiable. But if I was to give myself a label, uh, typically I describe myself as an engineer by profession. That's what I studied at uni um, and went into, did that for about two decades, um, but also an entrepreneur by passion. I like starting up businesses. I like being the one who fills the gap rather than complain about it. Um, but I think more recently and probably what I've always been, but only like really owned up to it is a thought leader. I, I have views on a number of things and that's also a bit tricky because you know that kid who has an opinion about everything. Um, I, th I think that might be me, but I'm doing it with compassion, with love, with curiosity and inviting people to do the same. And so, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've opened up a gym, I've sold a gym, I've opened up a cafe, I've lost a cafe, I've got my consultancy, I, I do documentaries. So literally anything that puts my, puts my soul in a good dance. That's what, that's what Yemi's about. Oh, beautifully said, Yemi. Gosh, I relate to so much of that. It's ridiculous. Um, we need to have another chat, I think, where I tell you all the things we have in common, yeah. the two well, that must, jump out. It must Go be on. a reason why we've attracted each other without know. actually knowing each other. But I yeah, know. tell me the two things. Well, I was a builder oh. and, and I was a filmmaker. So Wow. Uh, so we have those two things in common for sure. Wow. And I sense we're going to discover a few more things as well. So the way that we came to be together, I always like to tell a little origin story about mm -hmm. my guests because quite, quite often actually I have guests on this podcast that I don't know and that I've never met, that I just feel a sense of story sharing is yeah. important and often it is. It's really beautiful. So the reason that I think I came across you was that there was something you did with business chicks on LinkedIn and there was a few women in that chat, but there was something about the way you spoke and the same just now. You speak in a way that is very inclusive of ideas and like an open mind. You clearly, that curiosity you're talking about, it really shines through. I'm, I would love to hear a little more on that. Like where do you think that comes from? When did you become clear on that? Yeah, you know, I only, okay, oof, this is where I start going all over the place. Go for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently doing my PhD. I really didn't want to do it. I just need to put that for the record. <laughs> I didn't want to do it, but now I'm loving it because I had this story that surely we couldn't study things we enjoy or we want to. <laughs> and when I eventually found out that I could do research on, you know, the topic 
that I'm really passionate about and curious about, which is distress and events that we call trauma. Um, I found through my research so far that the reason why people love therapy and love talking is because we get to give a language to how we feel. Oh, and, right. And I mean, that is so simple, but it's come up in my research. And even though it wasn't worded like that, I realized that for me, when I say the term, which I think comes either Swahili or Zulu, and I, I need to get this right. It's an African word, um, which is sawabona, which means I see you. That feeling of being seen even though we don't have the words is because someone has said something that your brain just attaches to. And I think I've realized that that's kind of my superpower, my, my gift, we all have a gift. And I say this as humbly as I can, but I now, I now own, I own my superpowers. So even though I didn't know it, me being the why girl is kind of always there. I think it's always been there, but it only really sprouted probably about five, six years ago. Wow. So not that long ago, I've only just hit 40 and really it's still fresh, but it was always there. And that's why I think things are going really fast for me. Today's episode is brought to you by the Soul Mama Academy. It is a safe space online for mothers only, and it is specifically there for women to access a community, a nurturing community that provides a gentle accountability and encourages you to walk step by step, small choice by small choice towards a holistic and healthy lifestyle. It just allows you to become more relaxed, have more fun and show up as the best mum possible. Visit www soulmamaacademy.com s-o-u-l-m-a-m-a-a-c-a-d-e-m-y nice one ladies according to the standards of the world on on how people should progress and what success should look like and you know me being a single parent with this one parent household income I really wanted to defy that. And I think it's my curiosity. And I don't know if my, my dear friend and strategist is going to kill me for saying this first. We've just reworked my positioning because people always struggle. What is Yemi about? I don't like to put into a box, first of all. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know, the name of this podcast is Unboxable. Did you know that? Yeah. I loved it when you said that. I was like, Unboxable. Yeah. But absolutely. And I'm, I really don't. I don't like being put into a box, even when I, you know, I have brand strategists say, oh, get me, get a color scheme. I'm like, yeah, but I like this color, but tomorrow I might like a different color. So um, we've now worked on a new strategy, which I meant to do a grand opening, but I've got to say it. And, and it's just, it's the epitome of who I am and what my work will be doing with others is I'm rebelliously curious. Um, it's, it's, it's not just my tagline, it's the essence of who I am. And, and I know rebellious needs to have its own, its own definition, which I'm, I'm sure I'll do over my social media posts in coming weeks. It's, it's challenging status quo. That, that's, that for me is what it is. Not because status quo is wrong, but because it doesn't work for everybody. And to assume that I am the same as everybody is, um, it's unkind and borderline irresponsible if I can use words. I have a potting mouth, so I'm clean, keeping it clean. Oh no, you don't need to, by the way. Okay. No, this is a sweary podcast. Yeah, you're okay. Because I'm a sweary person too. Another thing we have in common. Um, so rebellion is definitely, you know, one of my middle names also. And and I love, I love what you're saying there. Rebellious and curious together. Mm. 
is such yeah. a brilliant thing. And I also think that there is a bit of a culture in our kind of Western society where, you know, questions are dangerous. Correct. Don't question. Don't oh. ask the difficult questions. And I really lament that and I yes. really challenge it because we have to, we must. It's yeah. our human not yes. only need but responsibility to question. Yes. And we've lost the fine art of it a little bit. We, we have, but if I can just put my hand up for a second, I have mm. to start with myself. Mm. We, if I can invite everyone to start with themselves, because I have an eight-year-old son who has just come back from being with his dad for almost two years, consciously co-parenting. It was very hard for me. However, it's the epitome of the work I do. Like, just because I've been told I needed to be the sole and only carer, I had to question that. Why is that? And I was, man, you know, managed to comfortably let that happen. So my son has now returned after 20 months. My goodness, he talks so much. He's asked so many questions. And then I found myself getting irritated. And what I love doing the most is checking with myself and observer. Why are you irritated when he's doing the very thing you talk about? Yeah. And, and so what I love about the work I do is that because I use myself as a guinea pig constantly, it's first, it's the discomfort of, I don't have the time to answer all your questions. Then it's the, why are you questioning my authority? And that is a big reason why I think authorities, governments struggle and, <laughs> and may struggle with the movement that really, really is going to stem around rebellious curiosity. So you're right. We, we haven't, these, there are some things, a lot of things we're told not to question, but if we start with ourselves or those who do ask questions, find out what that discomfort is in ourselves, because that will help us dismantle this, um, the wrongness we've attached to being curious. Oh, I saw you see there. And it, and it is so personal. Like it's a very personal thing, what we're talking about here, how we navigate this. But if I can be general, and I, and I do loathe to generalise, but sometimes it's useful <laughs> yeah. that, that humans, you know, we like certainty. We like yes. uh, conformity because it gives us certainty. Yeah, and safety. certainty gives us a sense of power. Like we know yeah. what's going to happen, yeah. so we feel safe. Yeah. And that is perfectly natural. And I'm all for it. Yeah. So what I'm sort of down for is like, how can we maintain a sense of safety through change? And how can we yeah. actually become, I guess, less discomfort averse? Mm. Because the more comfortable we can become with discomfort and uncertainty and risk and those kinds of concepts, the stronger we can feel and the safer we can feel as we explore absolutely those uncertainties and that messiness, you know, like yes. we've sort of become very tidy, I think. And uh, 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 there's lots of reasons for that. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And yeah. I don't I don't despise it. And I give anybody who needs all those tidy things, all the power in the world to, to pursue that. Yeah. But I also think it would be great to challenge a little bit. Um, why? Why yeah. do we need that tidiness? Why do we need this comfort and certainty and all the time? And I think we've just had a world full of uncertainty for a few years and it's coming and there's more of it coming, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, so, so the better we can be at navigating that without shutting down, without kind of necessarily becoming, I guess, um, yeah, just shut down for each other through that yeah. messiness. How can we stay connected yeah. and safe and, oh. you know, as safe as possible as we navigate these changes? Because they're happening. Yeah. Got to look they're at going them. to happen. Yeah. yeah. And they so are. that. I, I just, I'm so glad this has been recorded. I mean, I literally feel like I'm just having a conversation with you over tea yeah. coffee. So I can't wait to, because there are so many things you said that my brain has just gone. Psh, psh, 
Really? That's interesting. I, no, because, well, and, and I believe it or not, I'm an introvert, so I don't get, I don't get out much, which I'm <laughs> fine with. Um, but I, I long for these conversations where not only do I get excitement from the fact that we agree on certain things, but things I haven't thought about, because I was thinking why, as you were talking, I was thinking, why do we need certainty so much in this part of the safety and its yes. story, but it's not to demonize that because it, it has worked and continues to work. And we need it. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. We need it. Mm. Let's acknowledge that. But yeah. I love what you did, which you may or may not know was that invitation to just, just a little bit, just be a little bit curious. Yes. That's um, it. Just a little. And it, oh my gosh, it's enough to change your world. Yeah, it's beautiful. I have a friend, very wise friend of mine, and she, I'm going to say her name. She's a remarkable woman, Janet Cohen. You would adore her. Mm. She says to me, we, we can exist on our growing edge. Mm. And what I love about that is it's about, it's an understanding of where we feel safe, but also can we just sit on the edge of that and look yeah. out? upon the things that we are not comfortable with and just edge gradually and slowly to expand ourselves. And yeah. it's similar. I'm a martial artist and it's very similar with when we train, we need to know that edge. We need to understand our limit. And if we stay oh. within our limit, we never improve. So we must understand our limit and push it ever oh. so slightly forward every time yeah. we train and it's really important because if we don't if we stay safe too safe in our training we cannot improve the nature yeah. of martial arts is that you you are taking risks you are it's just part of it to yeah. push the body to the limit so it's a it's a very interesting thing and i think being able to do it in the martial arts helps me to do it in life yeah damn you are a woman of many things <laughs> and talents oh yeah many colors just like you don't ask me to choose no way i love it wow okay okay i want to know how that plays out for you in your work so so what's your at the moment can i ask you what is your growing edge whether that's personally or, oh by the way i was a single parent as well mm. also relate to what you were just saying <laughs> i meant to say about yeah. you know creating your own way of doing that it's a Absolutely. very yeah we also had some interesting stories around that and i think sometimes that's our our edge is it's personal you know we're doing yes. something in our personal lives sometimes it's career sometimes it's all happening at once so, so where's that happening for you right now? Where is your edge? I think my edge has to be the reintroduction of caring for two children. You know, you'd think, I mean, I, I have been a single parent in the genuine full sense, not to mean I haven't had support, but for, what was it 40? It was about 14 years before I had what, you know, I had my first kind of parenting break, if we can even give it a word. And, and parenting break is real because that always happened in communities and still does today. But I think sometimes because we're so busy in our own worlds, we don't get the chance to build communities. So having my son back is, is probably my grown edge because I'm having to deal with anxiety you know if you know some people are predisposed to depression some people anxiety my anxiety doesn't render me like useless I'm actually the opposite I start to put in more things to do because for some reason my energy is all over so I identify it differently and I think it's just an opportunity to to witness myself to love myself um to figure out the things I want to change and doing that whilst doing a PhD and continuing to build my brand it I, I gotta be honest with you it's it's uncomfortable um, and, and also the fact that, you know, I've kind of made this decision to really put my engineering consultancy on ice for a bit, which was my huge money income earner. Um, 
and and now I'm having to create a different paradigm that says money doesn't have to just come from the field you studied at university and that is a tough one yeah, yeah. so quite a few things yeah that's That is fascinating, Yemi. I would like to change gears ever so slightly. Mm. Now, I don't know a lot about your history, but I know you have an interesting one. And I know you talk a little bit about trauma in your work. You are a trauma-informed practitioner. Mm. Can you tell me what that means to you? How does your past and your present, how do they intersect? And give me a bit of background there. Yeah, so I'm still very, okay. I was going to say I'm still very new on the journey and that would be a lie. That's me. That's almost a form of imposter syndrome. So you're going to note right. throughout this whole conversation. Okay, I like to interesting. Just, just acknowledge myself, which is to downplay it. But I, I have been doing work in trauma for a while. Um, I think a number of us have, but we tend to know how long it's been once we acknowledge what we've been through. So for me, the whole concept of trauma, even being part of my vocabulary started probably maybe seven, eight years ago, eight years ago when I relocated to Australia and I realized, okay, Yemi, come on, what are you doing on the other side of the world? What is a South London girl from Brixton doing on the other side of the road, the other side of the world with a seven month old and a seven year old with no family? It just, I I knew something was up. That's brave. Right? Very, very brave, very brave. Yeah, courageous. I used to tell people back in the day that I was running away and, and maybe I was at the time, but it was to come and heal. It's just, once again, I didn't have the language for it. But you're yeah. also running towards. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's what people are saying to me more and more. Um, so my vocabulary has changed again. And then obviously a few years later, about three, four years after I relocated here and having, you know, dabbed in a bit of alternative modalities for healing and understanding myself, I wrote my first book and, the chapter that seemed to you know click with everybody was the childhood trauma and once again I just thought why aren't people in my circle talking about it and it just turned out that people in my circle weren't talking about it but there were other circles and that's when I delved further into it and I did my first documentary in 2020 which was looking at my particular story and me also just being inquisitive of other cultures and when I tell you that the acceptance of, of doing work in trauma, even at that thought leadership perspective, opened up doors like no others. When I got invited to go over to America, um, Jack Canfield's house to talk just about wow. my work and trauma. And then I got invited to do a TEDx talk. It was, it just opened. And there's, so there's this belief that when we really open up, because like I say, yes. I did not, I didn't want to do trauma because I didn't, I, I felt, I was one of those people potentially who would roll her eyes at people who sat in a victim story. You know, I, yeah. I probably was one of those people that like, can we just move on? It's not happened anymore. I really yes. was. And, and I understand the reason why people still have that because most people don't want to have to deal with stuff that they think is going to hold them back. But I think we're under an illusion that it doesn't hold us back. I think we are under yes. an illusion that it doesn't get um, transferred to other people. I totally agree. Yes, that's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a big one. And if we could just repeat that, it's the fact that even though it doesn't bother you, there is usually some form of transference. And even if you don't have kids, it's transferred to someone. Um, 100%. And we just, uh, my my dedication to wanting to speak about that, but in in a palatable way, because I appreciate trauma. The minute you say trauma, people... They, they, to be honest, they probably already block. They already choose their methodology to protect themselves. 
Um, and so, yeah, being aware of it. So when I'm in conversations, whether it's myself, other people, my knowledge and my research on trauma, which is exactly what I'm doing my PhD on, can trauma be transformed and what role do traditional and indigenous cultures play? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't wait to read your PhD. (laughs) Just saying right now. Wow. That's amazing. And it's really good. Apart from the fact I've got this aversion to like writing really academically, but it's (laughs) it's not just making me more credible. It's making me more responsible. I want to know who else has done stuff out there. I want to know what indigenous researchers and scholars have done. And my goodness, the stuff I'm already finding is is mind blowing. Wow. Um, And so that, my dedication to the work is huge because, you know, the stats show more than one in two. And if you can split people in half, you would even get more, but more than one in two have experienced a traumatic incident. This is adults. And we're doing this in the Western world. So imagine the non-Western world, what those figures would be. Mm. Um, And I just don't, I don't believe we can ignore it. And one of my, my go-to lines at the moment that I say more and more is, I appreciate we talk about sustainability of the planet and I think it's absolutely necessary, but we've completely forgotten that humans are the custodians of this planet. And if this we is what my... sustain them, how the hell? <laughs> so this is my this is my work, oh. what you're talking about now. So so my way into what you're talking about, first of all, my gosh, so many lights just going off in my brain while you're speaking and in my body as well. And the thing is that I believe there is an just irreversible, not absolute link between the way we are mothered Mm. and the way we exist in early life and the way we then live our lives as custodians or not custodians of our natural world. Mm. I just think that link to me is so clear. Mm. And that there's no way we can possibly look after our ultimate mother the earth yeah if we are not (laughs) in healing with the way we were mothered Mm. so there's this healing the mother wound and healing the 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 relationship with the earth and our roles as custodians of the earth is so interlinked i believe they are the same thing so the work that i do is to heal women from depletion and trauma just quietly I haven't quite got to that bit yet but I'm getting there (laughs) and you know like I'm building up to that um, because that's definitely what I've had to do Mm. and by healing the mothers the literal mothers we then heal our relationship with the mother the earth the real mother right which is a very first nations indigenous aboriginal kind of concept that that the earth is our mother so I am not a first nations person Mm. however i am the inheritor of intergenerational trauma around genocide yeah Mm. so i have a natural kind of inclination towards understanding what that feels like i haven't experienced it in my generation it was two generations prior i am not black Mm. i have a lot of things about being a first nations person indigenous person that i do not understand and i'm very very humble about that and Mm. i'm very clear about that but i also feel a great affinity and understanding with people who are and i always want to amplify those voices and i always want to take as much of a role as i possibly can Mm. in allyship in being an ally to those stories Mm. and so it's a funny thing to kind of navigate, right? And um, the book I want to write 
is is the book about how do we bring back um i want to interview people like you i want to interview aboriginal people and first nations and indigenous people all around the world about how to support mothers mm. and how they traditionally supported mothers and how they believe mm. supporting mothers in the future will change our relationship with the mm. ultimate mother with the earth so that's the book i'm about to write i haven't I haven't really started yet i sort of started yeah. so it's it's there yeah it's there what you discover i mean what are your findings so like far that. tell me if you can okay no I, I can and to be honest I because I think this would be good for me as well on my social media platforms I'm going to just start taking people mm, on the journey good. kind of like the most fascinating good. thing I've read um Great. per week and having come back from holiday I think and going back into it the different types and definitions of trauma um whew, at first, I would have said complex and simple trauma, which they are types. So Big whether tea, people who have this one-time event, correct, exactly. And then as I start to read more, but now reading from Indigenous scholars, it's the westernized definition of, of trauma. And then they've got historical trauma and they've got cultural trauma. So, and I, and I haven't figured out a name for that types of trauma, um, but that's quite interesting. Um, oof, and, you know, and I, and I think I always get nervous about saying it because my research is inconclusive. No, it's in process. I think yeah. In four oh, yes. years, it will still be inconclusive. People, I just, you know, I remember my supervisors asking, do you think you want to go into academia or into industry? I'm like, industry? But then when I speak to people like yourself and others, you are researching all day, every day. We yeah. research I'm when definitely we read a, a book. When we read yeah. a book, that 100%. is yeah. exactly. So I think it is a lifelong yeah. thing. Um, I think those are the biggest things, but um, oh, the big, the biggest one with historical trauma. And I want to honor you for saying the things you said, which you may not even realize you said it. You, without looking for a reward or a pat on the back, you expressed what allyship was. There was no shame. There was yeah. no guilt. You Gosh, owned it. And I want to Thank acknowledge you. and honor you for that. Um, because, yeah yeah it needn't be there I think we you and I have more we work do. to do oh my so. gosh we do don't we <laughs> we do we do, we do because there are so many things you said that were just but I think yeah with with the trauma what's becoming really open is even though they're not using the word it's the yes. acknowledgement the acknowledgement piece is really huge it's just being called something yes. else um and I haven't figured out that's so interesting that so I'm a teacher yet. um as well I have an mm. education qualification and I am very interested in the, the role that education has to play in responding to culture. That's perhaps my most yeah. passionate topic in education. That and emotional, I guess, uh, incorporating emotion and feeling into education and emotional intelligence in the way that we educate yeah. and um, aware educating, you know, when we allow children and teenagers and to experience feelings in the classroom is so yeah. powerful and yeah. so important. Um, so that so they're the kind of things that I get really excited about. Now I know that there are a lot of educators who are being mandated now to incorporate Aboriginal perspectives in education. Okay. Um, but okay. they don't know how to do that, and they also are not necessarily uh, healed or aware or even pursuing awareness around the stuff we're talking mm. about. So often there's that narrative of the, you know, just get over it, it was a long time ago, that sort of stuff around um, yeah. Aboriginal perspectives, which I always find incredibly challenging. And 
I would love mm. to know how you respond to that. So, so when you get people say you come across someone in your research and, and you say, I'm researching trauma or, and there's resistance to that idea. Do you think that's just part of that protective mechanism you mentioned a moment ago? Do you think, what, what do you think about that? How do you respond to that when someone sort of just, I guess, dismisses this kind of conversation yeah. that we're having now around the importance of acknowledging and listening and researching and, you know, yeah. what, how do you respond to that? I think it's with most of the time, because I'm definitely not perfect and still learning. Yes. It's empathy. Um, because unless most of us, I can't say all of us, most of us, most of us were the things we dislike in life yes, at course. some point. <laughs> and, and if we weren't, and that might be hard for people to accept. And if we weren't, we know someone who we love dearly yes. who was, yet we managed to love Absolutely. them. And so there's, there's a part of me that genuinely sees a part of myself in the person who is resistant to get that because I, I was there once. And for the work I do, especially when it comes to coaching, thought leadership, creating programs, I think that emotional intelligence you spoke about is really important for me. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, the flight freeze yes. response. And I think there's another one, but I've forgotten. Oh, yeah, there is isn't there now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flight freeze because research keeps yes. on bringing up. But the, the flight, the flight where you just run yes. away. And for some people, it can be different. For me, I used to dissociate. Yes. Like, I just literally <laughs> changed the subject without yes. even knowing. <clears throat> but I needed to do that as a safety. And so I think maybe they're yes. doing that. Um sometimes it's too difficult take another example when you know there's so much roadkill in certain parts of, of Australia I'm driving through Tasmania in particular with my partner and I find I cannot look at any animals who sadly mm. have been hurt on the road I and so I sit with that emotion mm. on myself thinking well if you can't even look it's highly unlikely you're going to stop the car get out and just check if that animal's yeah, okay or yeah right stuff. i'm going to wait for somebody else who's stronger than analogy. me mm. to do it and and so you know i i get it i, yeah. I still don't know the answers and i and i'm not worried i'm a bit sad it won't be in my lifetime but i do the work so somebody else can carry is that it's it's tough and so my my response is not to push it yes. down their throat and to just let it be because when they are ready That's they will it. be ready just like I became extremely ready about you know three four years ago to start telling yeah. my story and I've gotten yes. more comfortable and I've gotten better at, at delivering the news so it doesn't re-trigger others yes. who may yes. resonate with interesting. it interesting I love that and I think what's really fascinating about what you said is that that is a practice in itself to be able to listen and receive mm almost the opposite view to your own or the opposite perspective yeah. or any kind of polarization um, to be able to sit with that and receive it yeah. and listen to it and respect it as that is where that yeah. person is at right now and they are entitled yeah, yeah? and it can be challenging it's, it's, it's but it's tough. about yeah. I think us being enough of a container and again I'm not a master at this yeah. <laughs> no master at this but I practice <laughs> it quite consciously mm. because I want to be better at it and I, I want to be able yeah. to allow, and this is sometimes in your own, you know, in my marriage, I have to do this, you know, mm -hmm. something challenging happening for my husband. I want to help. I want to fix. I want to yeah. change. I want, but he might need me to just be there 
and just allow the feeling. Yeah. And that is a skill that that holding space skill, one that I, you know, am always approaching, I think. And there's yeah. a really interesting other part of this, which is that certainly in my path through all kinds of experiences in my life, there's been sometimes we experience the polar opposite of what we desire. Sometimes we experience um, what we intuitively don't want or what we intuitively yeah, um, is not helpful to us in order to define yeah. that edge and that, you know, the pendulum swings all the way over there before it can come back through the middle and all the way over there in the direction of your dreams. You know, it's like sometimes yeah. you need to, and that certainly was right for me, you know, there was abuse and addiction and all kinds of things that came out of my shame and, and early life trauma and, you know, mm. things that on the outset you wouldn't think would take a person down, but they took me down, you know. And it's really yeah. interesting, I think, that I look at it now as, something that defined the life I didn't want and and it yeah. allowed me to be better at defining the life I do want you know and that's a really powerful thing and I think if you're mm-hmm. going through shit keep going you know it's that kind of like yeah. sometimes we need to and in fact now and it sounds always really trite and cliched to say it now I feel deep immense gratitude for all the crap I went through because it kind of forged something mm. for me and um that I need yeah you and, know, and you're right it always feels uncomfortable yes, to say that it's and, weird you know you've said a few things and it's just kind of caught on to me but I, I I don't want to take it down a different realm and and I want to try and deliver things so it can reach as many people but what you described is contrast right. it's absolute it's absolute contrast you knew what you wanted to do differently yeah. and better um, fundamentally from this experience you really didn't want yep. that happened and figured out well what's the antithesis to that it's actually to create something like this and and having heard a few people who aren't necessarily in the traditional trauma space from mm. an academic it's it's the contrast yeah. when you know what you don't want you tend to don't get me wrong do it want. doesn't it doesn't downplay that when you're in that position if you're in one of those Sweet. situations that is spiritually physically emotionally dangerous it yeah. it's awful and it's um and you, and you need to find a way out i'm not saying you know just stay there yeah. keep going through it that's not what i mean at all no. but we need to own, own mm. that as well i think you're right and we do need to highlight it because i think some people think oh this sometimes this can be overly toxic positive psychology mm. it's not that it's a, it's acknowledged that we're just saying the minute you find that energy to get out of it please do 100 like that that's my call to people like we need you don't want to put pressure on you but we yeah need you, so. and and please you know cultivate some faith that um your mm. life has a certain divine pathway and some of it will be incredibly unpleasant you know there is that buddhist concept mm. of like suffering is part of life and it is we can't spend our whole lives feeling good and happy it's not it's not the human yeah. experience and it never will be and i think when we do do yeah. that we can limit very greatly our appreciation for the shadow for the side of things that mm. was difficult or uncomfortable or traumatic those things are important as well you know those stories are important mm. as well and i feel like that's also appreciating the underbelly of our history and the underbelly of of so much of our cultural experience you know we need to look at it and value it and it's so important yeah. to me but I mean I'm at the very beginning of talking about this in a real sense I guess and it, it's again like you I'm always learning to talk about it in different ways because it's such a sort of yeah. um 
I don't know how to say it. It's such a wishy-washy kind of thing to talk about very deeply personal spiritual experiences in words because it's so deeply personal. It is. It is. And this is where the the gift Mm. of language comes is when we can find something. And that's why I love analogies because sometimes it reduces maybe the back row of an audience that typically wouldn't. Um, But I think we do that by continuing to have these conversations. Most of the time I don't know what I'm going to say until it comes out and if I have a great host like you who's asking these like soul enriching <laughs> questions um you find out so yeah the the journey can oh, be I agree well. Yemi so I would love to know from you you say you you live in Sydney now do you How I do wonderful. Yeah. and you are currently working on a doctorate you have a consultancy yes. you wrote a book yes. can you tell me what your book was about so the book was titled, Did You Get the Memo? Because I fucking <laughs> didn't. Literally, that is the title. And it was, it was about the fact that when I relocated to Australia and you know, managed to sit down and realise, oh, there's a lot of shame. Here I am about to get divorced. I've got two kids with two different dads. It, was, it felt like I was failing. But every now and again, I'd speak to people. And you know, I thought I was following a particular memo, which was, you get married, 2.4 kids, white picket fence, um, get a nine to five job, retire, <clears throat> try for one holiday a year. That's the memory that I was following. But it's it, like it didn't, it wasn't mm. working for me. It didn't appear that that really could only work if I'd had the, the fabric or the life lessons or the models or the whatever without blaming people. And, and genuinely, I just thought, yeah, OK, let's write about this. So I just talk about some of the key pillars in life. I talk about money. But rather than just call the chapter money, I call it about the genetics of money because I really do think it's intertwined with our DNA and, and history and then childhood trauma. Then I talk about motherhood. Um, I talk about death, but call it time because, you know, until my dad died, I didn't have anyone that close who'd passed away. And then all of a sudden there's this extra meaning to life. And I'm like, really? Did I have to wait for somebody yeah. to die for me to have the extra meaning to life? So once again, my curiosity just went deep to speak about, you know, entrepreneurship, which I think I call entrepreneurship and fear because I experienced my first panic attack when I started my business. And it was good to know why. I mean, I think my therapist explained this because I literally had my body had all the systems had forgotten to have a conversation to say you need to breathe in oxygen <laughs> and breathe out carbon dioxide. Um, and that just blew That's my brilliant. mind. And so I think if we manage fear, I actually think a lot of us would do a lot more um, bodacious things. And so, yeah, that's what that's what that book Well, that sounds about. awesome. I really want to read that now. There's so much I relate to in there. I'm curious about the genetics of money. That sounds fascinating. Can you talk to me more about that? How did you come to that connection to connect genetics and money? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I had a brilliant coach, um, Jessica Hewitt. She's currently based in Jamaica, but um, met her when she was in the UK. So she was my coach and... What she did for me that was great was, Yemi, what do you want to talk about? And I knew I wanted to talk about money, but she said, okay, that's great. But what is the message you want to have? I just said, I'm, I'm intrigued by people's money stories. Like, what is the story I have with money? And the biggest one for me, especially when I started my consultancy, because I pretty much, I think, to the height of my consultancy, I was bringing in about 20 times more than what I was bringing in on a six-figure um, so it was it was huge. And so this income came in and this Brixton girl had no idea what yeah. to do with that money. Um, 
And I remember losing about 50,000, possibly up to 100,000 trying to invest in a property, but I've never been taught anything about yeah. investment. You know, most of us, most of our living was survival in the yeah. UK. It was nothing about thriving. I didn't have any yeah. models for that. Um, and then what became really apparent as I started to go to more personal development things was because I had grown up in a household where there was meant to be no money at the right. end of the month. The fact that I had money right. at the end of the month said to me, you have not paid all oh, your that's bills. that's amazing. So I would go and create bills. That is so interesting. I would buy stuff that was way more. And for me, that was inherited. Wow, that was yeah. hereditary. And it's not to put any blame on parents or anything, but I realize now the power of what yes. we say. And so rather than call it money story, it was the genetics of money. And I've got this fantastic... Um, um, illustrator cat the fox as I know of who I explain I just because I'm mm. very visual I just said can you do a DNA yeah. helix but I want the helix to be right. made of money for people to really figure out which part of their no oh, fascinating of their history they want mm, to unhinge so interesting I mean I think your brain is so so cool <laughs> <laughs> I like my it's brain a very well. cool brain you. thank you and what, I wondered what um faculty are you doing your doctorate in education oh, really? funny enough and when you said you are in <laughs> yeah education uh, yeah so even though they haven't they haven't pushed me to have this outcome I, I do want my work to really influence policy wow in, that's in really interesting I can connect that's you with some interesting form. people in that area yeah. that's for sure that. oh my gosh I mean I could just talk all day with you i feel like we need to do you know part two part three part four of our conversation i'm conscious that we've been talking for a while and i absolutely adore you and i'm so grateful that you have come on here and shared your story just a tiny teeny bit of it that has been a real um tantalizing morsel of of i think more stories Mm. i would like to learn about you and thank you thank you so much for having me an absolute honor Mm, and pleasure lots of love to you Okay, bye everyone. This podcast is produced independently and made just for you. So if you have enjoyed it, please do leave me a review and you can put in the review a request for a topic or even a nomination for a particular guest if you would like me to interview someone in particular. Thank you so much for your support. If you really love it, uh, you can also share it and subscribe to it and follow it. See you soon.